Hey, welcome to the Everyday Sniper. You got Frank from Sniper's Hide here. We just got back off the plane last night uh, from Tread Proof. Everything went really well out there, although we had awful weather. Fucking weather sucked. It was raining quite a bit. And then Saturday, we had like hurricane weather and we even lost power out there. But we were able to adjust and do a bunch of stuff. Um, good mix of guys. I mean, actually, we had a blast. It was very... We were able to replicate the Alaskan experience well, through where we stayed, where we went and ate, uh, breakfast, lunch, dinner, the whole thing. So, um, you know, that ended up working out really well. Uh, talked to them about some um, land improvements. Uh, you know, nothing major, just to kind of open it up a little bit. How we can extend the ranges for them and, and the different things, but... Really liked what happened. Really liked the program. Um, I liked everybody that came, man. It was such a great time with, with the whole crew. Uh, we had a ton of fun uh, out there um, with Mark. And so we'll kind of go over some of that. And then I'm going to read some of your user comments before they get too far ahead. Uh, otherwise, you know, they start falling off the page and I got to refresh, refresh, refresh. But um, we, we went out to, um, to Tennessee to do that Treadproof class. And uh, Mark actually flew the overnight, the red eye, to Denver. And then uh, him and I shared a flight from there to Tennessee. So that worked out really, really well. And then getting to um, meet up with everybody. We had a meet and greet the night before at the Charlie O's there by the hotels. And, um, you know, from there we, we went the next morning. We found the Country Kitchen, which it was a goof, man. There was like a couple places we could have went for breakfast. Um, you know, just uh, uh, kind of like, I guess it would have been west of us. Uh, there was, you know, there was a bigger group of hotels on the other side of the highway and Cracker Barrels and things like that. It's, it's got quite a bit in that one little Dixon area. Uh, and um, so we figured Cracker Barrel is going to take too long. We went there on Sunday, but we got there before the um, uh, church rush. So that was good. But we were looking around that there was like a pretty, it was Purdy too. It was P-R-U-D-Y, pretty good diner. But there was like no cars in the parking lot. We didn't think it was open. There was like one car. So we're like, nah, I don't even think that place is open, dude. So we went past it and we see this kind of old rundown country kitchen, but the parking lot's packed. So we're like, we're going there. And sure enough, they got tables set up for larger groups because that seems to be like a local hangout for everybody. And we had the uh, the morning breakfast and then off to Tread Proof. First day, we did um, we did half the presentation because the weather, bit of rain. We had canopies, but the wind kind of came up on Saturday, like I said. But Friday, we adjusted the schedule where I did the fundamentals in the morning after the eval. Then we went out to the range and zeroed and checked fundamentals, readjusted positions, moved scopes, things like that. And then Saturday, I finished the presentation. And in the afternoon, we had Doc Maurer's presentation. And that's when the storms really kicked in. We actually lost power for just shy of an hour or so. Um, and it was a goof because our waitress uh, on Sunday night, she was like, yeah, our family's going to be without power for like two, three days. They said, you know, there was like a microburst or something came in and just down some trees and messed a bunch of stuff up. So it, it was like, you know, hey, can we get out there? And, and just as it was funny, every time you go like, hey, I think we can do it. it looks like a little break in the rain. And it was like torrential downpour. 
was like, God damn, dude. Do we really need a torrential downpour? But um, with adding in, and we were talking about this, by making these three-day classes, adding in four hours of Doc Maurer's terminal ballistic presentation, and then you know, getting into the, the, to be able to be flexible with the presentation and to do what we need to do. It, it really made it, well, you know, work out in, in a good way. Then Sunday we shot all day. We put some canopies up cause it drizzled. It was supposed to be sunny in 70 turned out to be overcast and drizzly. Um, but we had canopies up. So we were able to get the shooting in um, small targets, man. And guys stepped up with these tiny little plates and uh, a couple of them hidden in the trees and things like that. But the plan is really going to be going forward in 2020 to blow uh tread proof out and do quite a bit of classes. I gave him some windows that we can work in and I mean, just everybody had a really, really, really good time. You know, it was it was a lot of fun. And before I get too far and forget, because I'm a space case today, air travel does that to me. I had a, if you remember the story with Mike talking about a guy who called up, and I think Mike said it on the podcast. I, I, I you know, like I said, 200 podcasts. I don't remember what the hell happened last year, but I want to say Mike talked about a, getting a call at Mile High from a funeral home. Well. The funeral home guy was in the class, Jared. So shout out to Jared and Jamie, two PRS guys. Jared works funeral home, runs that and everything. Awesome shooters, excellent stuff. We had to fix their trigger slap because all PRS guys slapped the trigger. So we were able to fix their follow through, get them, tighten them up a little bit and work on their game. Both Jamie and um, and Jared, excellent guys, the J&J crew. But even better, this even gets even better, dudes. And I'm going to do this early so, you know, I, I don't lose you at the end. Jared's sister, Leah. Hello, Leah. I've seen you, man. I've seen you on TV, Leah. She works for Dale Jr. doing the Dale Download podcast. And I, I know she's in, like, the booth, their, their control booth, on the TV show, but I've actually, you know, I don't, I, it's weird because I don't travel a lot and I don't really listen to podcasts that often. You know, every once in a while I'll throw one on and listen to something here or there, but it, 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 it's, it's not common for me to listen to podcasts. I really actually listen to Sirius XM and I'll listen to the NASCAR channel and things like that more so than the podcast, you know, cause I got serious on the computer and I got serious in the car, but the Dale Download, I've actually watched on TV because I watch the races and sometimes in the morning before the races come on, they'll do replays and things like that. The last one that I did watch was that little up and coming uh, Haley Deegan because um, I dig her because she's rough, man, you know, and she's a good driver and all that stuff. So that was one that I really focused on watching. But Leah, I had your brother in the class. I dig Dale Jr., man. I think the guy would probably be a ton of fun to hang out with. And, and, and just kind of, you know, shoot the shit, play some pool, have a beer or two, you know, that kind of thing. But uh, that how awesome is that? What a friggin' small world when you think about it. I mean, go back to a year ago, I'm in Tennessee for the Guardian match, right? So I shoot Gary's uh, Guardian match and everything. I actually, Gary emailed me today. Quick shout out to Gary, dude. Appreciate it. How you doing? So, um... I'm there at that Guardian match, and I meet the NASCAR crew guys from Ty Dillon's team, right? So the Jermaine Racing dudes. Then, you know, I talk about NASCAR all the time, and the guys that are actually on Sniper's Hide, 
like the dudes from Front Row Motorsports, right? So they'll text me back and forth and PM me and stuff. Well, then you go to class in Tennessee again. Gary, uh, uh, Jared's sister, Gary. Yeah, my brain's broke. Um, Jared's sister is part of that whole NASCAR family, man. And and honestly, I just like what those guys do. I'm, I'm bummed that I missed the Martinsville race. Joey Logano got into a little bit of drama. I'm a Pazan from Connecticut, man. And, and you know, so he, he, he was doing a little bit of pushing and shoving in the afternoon. And I guess one of his crew guys is a wrestler dude and, and likes to slam people. So I think that's kind of funny, but you're not supposed to do that. I get his thing, kids. Don't push and shove people in public. I hear you. But, um, yeah, so I was bummed I missed Martinsville because Martinsville is usually a, a pretty fun race. Although it looks like Truex ran away, away, yeah, blah, blah, blah. I'm talking fast and I'm not thinking. I guess Truex ran away with it, so uh, whatever. But guys were saying it was a pretty decent race, so overall. But shout out Leah, Jared, dig it, man. And Jared was a super fun guy to hang out with. Plus Jamie too had a great sense of humor. Got to meet uh, Steve P. Uh, Blade Maker there who posts on the site all the time. Uh, tactical Dill Hole. Casey was there. Casey comes to a bunch of stuff. I dig Casey. He's a fun dude to, to talk to and hang out with. He's a, we almost, I got a video of it. So Casey shows up and Casey's been to more than one of my classes, right? So he's a good shot, everything, but you know, he's a refresher thing. It's, got, he, it's local to him. He says, why not? Comes over and does refresher classes. As most of them, we had Joe PP in the class. We've talked about Joe PP a ton. Joe and Bill came down from Alaska to take the tread proof class. But Casey, during the fundamental eval, him and I had set up a joke because Mark had never met him. So Mark didn't know anything about it. So we set up a joke, and I was going to have Casey take his finger. So picture this. He's on the rifle. And, I, and like I said, we got a video, but we both started laughing so hard, and he couldn't do it. So he was, like, practicing to get it right, and we just started cracking up and ended up having to do it straight. But what he was going to do to Mark was... Right, so he he had his rifle and he has his hand on that and he and he's got his uh you know his fingers straight and off the trigger and he's gonna come over for the fundamental eval to to do his shots. Well, he was gonna wind up his finger kind of like old school baseball bat stuff. So kind of like spin your finger in a little circle and wind it up, and then he was gonna slap the trigger with a wind up and see what Mark would do in the eval, but. Like I said, I do have the video of it because I had set, and he didn't even know my camera was there and running. I put my phone against um, uh, uh, one of the little platforms there, and so the phone was like leaning against it and filming them, and and it was funny as shit. So I'll have to put it up because, but we just started laughing and we couldn't do it. But that was that was a good time. But uh, everything went really well. Like I said, the improvements. We sat down with the Treadproof guys on Sunday afternoon after everything was said and done, uh, over an hour with them, and we went and basically drew out the range, where we're looking for the improvements, how to clear out some of the underbrush. I really, really want to use their natural terrain. And, um, you know, they have that opportunity, but we just need to clean some of the underbrush that's there that blocks your ability to look into the woods with any depth. So what I'm thinking, there's there's two ways of doing this. One, on their kind of long range, they're straight out. We're going to trim the edges to open up the lane a little bit and then take a few of the trees down that are kind of branches hanging in the way. 
And then we can put targets that go back into the woods as well. Behind the line, they built a really great deck for us. Behind the line, we went up onto a small ridge that's in the woods behind us. They got about 50 yards across. They got to clear uh, the, the small stuff. The bigger, couple bigger trees that are there aren't going to be a problem. But then we went back about 100, 200 yards behind where we were shooting. And we can get another firing platform back there in their woods. Like I said, this is a pretty raw piece of property that's going to give us a lot of great opportunity. And, um, you know, we're, we're looking forward to that. And, and so uh, I think, they're, you know, Todd and Brett and those guys are really going to jump on it. They were taking copious notes. And that's a big word, man. But we're going to take, uh, you know, a lot of notes to kind of knock it out. And um, I think I think guys are going to like it. One of the big pushes, I think, I don't know how it's going to come across yet. I mean, the LE guys listening out there and in and, and the training that you guys are doing. Tread proof to me is the perfect LE facility. You know, and so we're going to try to talk about doing some a little lower priced LE type centric classes for you guys, because I mean, this resource, I mean, Doc Maurer already speaks to kind of like, you know, federal law enforcement and federal agencies and things on that. And, and, you know, you're talking at NRA, we're probably going to be at NRA next year with Treadproof because I I know um, uh, Paul's going to be a keynote speaker with his terminal ballistic stuff at NRA. So combined with that, since it's in Nashville next year, Treadproof's right there. They're going to have a a, a presence in NRA and they're going to bring Mark and I in there to kind of talk to you guys and in person and, you know, let you know what's going on. But on the LE side, I mean, think about this when, and if I go back behind me on the, on the bookshelf right here, I have, um, you know, my, my, manual in my my uh my books from sniper school back in the 80s you know what i mean i have my, i have all my marine corps stuff all of it including my training schedule everything i did day to day and like that but there was always a biology and anatomy element to sniping you know to let you know shot placement what are you looking at with rifles you know much more damage than handgun and stuff like that and a lot of terminal ballistics the debating in terminal ballistics, it usually f- focuses around handgun stuff. What's best? What's this? What's that? And um, Doc Maurer's presentation has a lot of that in it. And he explains, you know, shot placement, this and that, and the other thing. And so um, it, it, it's, it's, it's a good value added. So, you, you know, having an LE marksmanship class and le you know training evolution that also includes doc mauer's terminal ballistics program i mean how do you beat that right i mean where are you gonna go to take le training that's gonna give you terminal ballistics as well you know name it and terminal ballistics from a doctor's standpoint who's actually working with the likes of a buford boone and they're working together right now to update to you know, validate and to, and to bring terminal ballistics to the next level since most of it either goes back to Vietnam or goes back to, um, you know, the Miami shootout with the FBI. So, you know, with these two guys being paired up together, and it's funny because, you know, Doc Maurer's badge now locally and, and, and he was just with Buford last week. 
there's there's a lot of crossover going on here. So if you're an LE guy, if you're interested in putting something something together and coming out for some Mark and Frank show marksmanship training, that's going to combine Treadproof is the ideal place for this. You know, I really think you guys would appreciate the program we can put on for you there. And um, one of the things that I, I talked to him about doing, there's this awesome ridge right over their 100-yard bay. They have that 360 100-yard bay. And if you come up the backside of the bay, it takes you right up a ridge line. And if we open that ridge line up a little bit, we can do this kind of jungle walk where you're going to kind of walk this ridge line and be able to shoot to the opposite side and, you know, find, locate, engage targets. And I'm looking at it as more, you know, granted, not PC, but, you know, just off the top of my head, what am I going to call it? Kind of like a hunt headhunter program because the targets won't be any bigger than like six by nine. Right. So it would be this kind of thing where you're looking for small hidden targets and then you got to find them, rage them, and engage them as you walk along this ridge. And it'll take you right out and down the other side to where we park for the long range to actually shoot back the other way. So, I mean, the, the property has the ability to shoot 360 degrees. You know, you just have to do it in an orderly manner. You can't be conflicting shooting each other. But if you kind of walk out, one way and then when you come down the other side you can shoot back the other so it, it's it'll be a nice mix up it'll be something that adds a little bit of that movement element that find it located element you know build position element and things like that but it it was a really good time i i really enjoyed it uh sorry we didn't get a chance to do a podcast from there we were having too much fun at charlie o's with ashley um, those guys will know what's going on. It was a blast. Um, uh, although Saturday night, I think it was Saturday. Saturday? Yeah, it might have been. We stayed out a little too late. At least I did. Mark was in bed by like 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock. I was up a little too damn late, but didn't affect me on Sunday. All that went really well and everything. But uh, I wanted to get there with some really good questions within the Podbean app. So I wanted to kind of start hitting on them before they fell off the radar, you know, because uh, that stuff um, tends to do that. As more people comment, which dudes totally appreciate the comments. Uh, blah, 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 let's see where we're at. I don't really remember where. Oh, okay. Let's go down here. Uh, let's see. Okay. Let's find where I'm at. Uh, let's go to, so Carlos, um, yeah, okay, so let's go right here. So Ted, so I think this is Ted. So after you're taking your class and making dope chart for 6,500 DA, let me see, was being smart ass, blah, blah, blah. Thank you for putting together, uh, uh, what is that? Uh, yeah, this must be it. So I guess Carlos was making fun of doing something on a serious note. Do you have a beta tester for your app? No. Um, moving forward on the app, um, we don't have beta testers yet. Beta tester, beta tester. Um, so what we are, we are moving forward. I, matter of fact, I spoke to the app guy uh, by email a little bit today. There was a message waiting for me. But um, Ted comes on and Ted's doing all the weaponized math charts that you can download. Dude. The weaponized math is the shit. 
Okay, we ran it with guys. We like Doc Maurer came up late on Sunday because he has to do a bunch of stuff, and so he wasn't really in the class. But he he came on Sunday afternoon to shoot his AT out, and he had to dope it out because he didn't have his data with him and all that. So Mark sat down with him and went the weaponized math. He first round hit everything with the weaponized math, and these targets were not big. Okay, so uh, Ted saying. Um, I'm trying my ballistic program. Do I need a verified dope at home range is 2000? Do I trust Ford off? Uh, uh, well, as long as you're verified. So here's the question. If you're doing your software and as long as you verify and true it for your home range, it's supposed to travel with you. You know what I mean? So once you get it true and verified, if you put the correct data in garbage in is garbage out. But if your atmospherics are correct, if everything's right, if you're recording good data, you got good waterline hits, and then once it's verified and true, it's supposed to travel with you. So, uh, you know, that's how that goes. Um, and then um, Dan, Dan the Carpenter says, Savage needs a better or more options for triggers than the pre, uh, on the precision rifle. Yeah, a lot of guys don't like the AccuTrigger. The AccuTrigger is pretty good for a sub $600 rifle, but not when you go to that next level with the new MDT uh, uh, system they're doing. And I'm going to be talking to MDT tomorrow. So we're going to have a podcast with the guys from MDT because there's a lot to announce from them. Uh, Most of you probably heard about the Jay Allen stuff and things like that. But um, I'm going to have MDT calling in tomorrow. So it'll go up the day after. Um, You know, the trigger gets dirty and stuff. So uh, let's see what he's got going on here. It's no good when it gets wet or dirty and you only get two shots off on a stage when the trigger locks itself out of the firing pin fails. Uh, So basically what he's saying is he wants trigger options for Savage. So Savage, you should work with some people to make some aftermarket triggers is what these guys are requesting. I know you're doing a lot to come up to the next level. I know you're trying to address some of the published shortcomings people have talked about. They want to trigger. All right, Carlos, um, trust but verify. Yep, he's talking back to Ted um, about changing your app. It's it's definitely with your apps, it's trust but verify. And then uh, Slippery Gecko. I like that one. Slippery Gecko is kind of a cool name. Hey, Frank, love the podcast. Keep them coming. Only you could talk about miscellaneous shit half the time and make it entertaining. Just wondering if you have shot a 6.5 PRC yet. So what are your thoughts? Recoil, trajectory, wind bucking. The 6.5 PRC is pretty kick-ass. I'm probably going to build one when the Bighorn long action origin comes around. Um, I talked to some of the Bighorn guys. I'm probably going to get a long action origin. And if I do, it's going to be a 6.5 PRC. I like it. Okay. Yes, there's a little more recoil to it. You got a lot more powder. Your muzzle velocity is going to be a lot higher than a 6.5 Creed. So you're you're it's a it's a short action ultra mag, you know what I mean. So you gotta expect it's gonna be a little bit more. But if you want to extend the range, you know you want to shoot beyond a thousand more predictably, even at sea level, PRC. You want to shoot an animal at distance, or you want to shoot a bigger animal with a six five, you know, elkish, PRC. So I am a six five PRC fan. Number one, because I can get factory ammunition. I love factory ammunition. I don't want to have to go and hand load. I have no time. I'm back to back to back to back to back classes and training and this and that and the other thing. 
So for me, a PRC would be the better option than to do something wildcat. All right. There you go, Slippery Gecko. And then um, PS, he PS'd me. Let me know when you're ready to come down under to uh, bunyip hunting with me. I don't even know what the heck that word. Dude, what is a bunyip? Is that like a kangaroo or some crazy shit? I, I, I'm ready to come to Australia. I just I just need the venue. I had talked to people in the past about coming to Australia. They were supposed to be building the range, but then all that fell through. But when you're ready, I'm ready. We could bring the Mark and Frank show. I mean, Mark being Alaska, it's almost even a little easier for him to get to Australia. But I have no clue what a bunyip thing is. B-U-N-Y-I-P. I don't know what that is, dude. Um, but yeah, man, I'll shoot it. I don't care. Uh, you know, unless it's like an aborigine and it's some kind of crazy slang for it, then don't get me involved in that stuff. You get me in trouble. Um, (laughs) no, but I don't know what it is. I'm only kidding. you know, don't take that serious. It was a joke. Please don't get me for a hate crime. I hate it. All right, Bobby. What do you got to say, Bobby? Bobby G here. Bobby G. Frank, can you talk about target size and what range they should be placed? Newbie and long range. Uh, Yeah, you know what? I'm going to try to pull this up because I actually wrote this, Bobby G. Let's see. I started playing with where we should go to, to kind of play this game. And so let me see if I can find it. I got I got a thing called ideas. Uh, yep. So here's like ideas for a qual, Bobby. And so here's what I'm looking at for writing stuff down. Okay. At 100 yards, you want to do a one-inch dot, Right. At 200 yards, ideally, you should do a two-inch shooting C. But I'm fine going as big as a three-inch shooting C, and you want all your rounds inside the shooting C. At 100 yards, you want all your rounds. Excuse me. I'm, I'm not breathing, and I'm starting to get hiccup again. Uh, all the rounds inside the one-inch dot. At 300 yards... If you're on steel, four inches, you know, if you're just going to touch steel. But for paper, I generally want you to put a six-inch shooting C up there with everything inside the shooting C. Okay? Uh, Ideally, a minute and a half is your goal to one minute, right? So you're going to... Well, field courses are generally a 2-MOA target. If you want an example of what you should be putting at distance, so... I like two plates, you know, I want a two minute target and then I want a sub two minute target, either minute and a half or one MOA. I mean, we all talk about being one MOA shooters. One MOA should be the spec. But once we start getting into positional, once we start going out to steal, you'll find even in competitions, two MOA is much more common. So 400 yards would be an eight inch plate. 500 yards would be a 10-inch plate, and 600 yards would be a 12-inch plate. That's your big gross adjustment plate. Then you want to go half that size for your fine tune, and that's where you're going to work on your excellence, work on your precision, work on your accuracy. I mean, if you think about my truing targets, okay, Bobby, my truing targets are 0.2, 2 mil wide that would be uh three quarter moa okay that's an elevation now not in windage 
So I want to be that sub MOA because of computers and stuff to fine tune their dope. So three quarter MOA is the size of my truing targets. Now, generally, once you hit 600, then I do a 66% IPSC. And then at 1,000 and beyond, you generally see a full-size IPSC plate with sub plates next to it. Uh, to me, ideally, I want a small, medium, and large plate at every yard line. So if I was shooting at 600 yards, I'd have a 66% IPSC. Then I'd have something like a 10-inch plate, and then I'd have a 6-inch plate. You know what I mean? A 66% IPSC, I think, is 12 by 16. A 45 with the head now uh, is 8 by 11, you know. And then a full-size IPSC is 18 by 24. With the head, it becomes 30. The heads on a full-size IPSC are 6-inch square. But 18 by 24, 12 by 16, and then 8 by 12. You know, that's kind of where those sizes play in that you want to work at long range. Good question, though, Bobby. I like that one. Uh, what else we got? We got Rick here, eh? Alaska ATV. Great podcast. Sounded like a fun match. He's talking about Team Safari. Uh, just saw they posted a little thing. Um, Team JP gave a shout-out. All right, so uh, what is this? CSJTV. Uh, what do you find breaking on these Curtis actions, man? I think this is funny as shit with these overpriced two-lug Three, whatever. I don't know, man. Just whatever. It's just these custom actions that are way overpriced that don't have the thing and they pop up everywhere. I mean, I'm a Defiance fan and I don't consider them because in my mind, they're one of the originators. So don't look at Defiance is this thing. But I go to classes, right? So I see, a, I, you know, you Curtis, Curtis, Curtis. Everybody's got to fucking get on the bandwagon because certain PRS guys who do well shoot Curtis. And it's like, you know, it's the little dark secret that they don't say out loud that guys see him screwing up in events all the time, but nobody wants to open their mouth. And then when I open my mouth because I see it, I'm the bad guy. Well, I go to training evolutions and I got guys that have feeding issues. The rounds aren't feeding smoothly. And it's always this Curtis and the plunger's in the way and there's issues with that, right? So then, you know... I, I, the, I had the the Minnesota class and there was a Curtis that was not feeding worth a damn. And I'm like, damn, you spend that much money on a custom action. Shut up. You spend that much money on a custom action and, um, you know, it's not feeding smooth. Action's a delivery device. You are not going to get more accurate because you bought an overpriced action. All it is is the delivery device and you're just trying to eliminate the flex and movement in it. But to me, if you're going to spend big dollars, get a three lug, get something like that ultimatum I was talking about with JP. But so it's not feeding smooth. So then I go to my next class here in Colorado and a guy's got a Curtis. And I'm like, oh, yours looks like it's running a little bit better than the one I saw last week. And he goes, oh, yeah, because I had a wrench on it. He basically had a Dremel and round the plunger, right? Well, then fast forward to Team Safari with Tyler uses Curtis action. The extractor breaks off, the spring pushes the friggin' back end out and jams the action up. You can't move or remove the bolt. It broke. It's like, dude, the whole thing broke off. And now the funny little dark secret is go on the sniper's hide. The guy who actually started part of 
the Curtis actions left and they had a falling out. Well, now he's dishing dirt. You know what I mean? He's basically going out there and he's saying, we knew this was a problem. We knew this part was a problem. Nobody wanted to fix it because they're being successful with it. You know what I mean? Because they got good promoters. So it's like, you know, what the heck are you doing that this thing ain't working? So to me, and and you know, we go back years ago. Let's fast forward. You can still find it. It's even like an SD video. When, when, Team Safari, Steel Safari, Competition Dynamics first started up with these matches at these locations that are dirty and sandy and windy and deserty and all this stuff. Custom actions in those matches were breaking constantly, so much so Zach Smith put a compilation video up of multiple custom actions failing. Then he was basically like, because Zach's an AI guy, he's like, gee, this never happens with my Accuracy International. You know, why are you spending more money for a custom tricked out deal and then they don't work? Well, that's how I kind of feel with some of these actions. And it's like, you know, what are we doing here? It's the market will do it. I get it. It's all out there. And, you know, I don't go looking for this stuff, but when it's front and center and in my face and I'm seeing it, well, of course, I'm going to talk about it, dude. I mean, and, and if it hurts a feeling or two and I become an asshole because of it, well, who's the bigger asshole? Me for saying that I have students in my class that have problems or you for not fixing your problem and charging people a premium for something you know has minor issues. And minor as they are, they shouldn't be there. You know, it would be like you going out and buying a Mercedes and having to change the friggin' rims on it. Or the tires. It's like, well, gee, it's just the tires and the rims. But, you know, you're spending money for a Mercedes. But everybody knows the dirty little secret is the Mercedes wheels are out of balance or suck. It's like, why would you do it? It's stupid. You know, a guy had to take a Dremel to it and round off the plunger because it catches the brass and binds it up. Not cool, man. And... If you don't want to believe me, the guy who worked there is dishing dirt on Sniper's Hide about it. And he created a new company, Terminus, and he's putting actions out that supposedly now fix these problems that the other guys refuse to address. So there you go, dude. That's that's my that's what I'm seeing. And like I said, I know it pisses people off, but you know what? Call me if you don't like it. You you know how to find me. It's not like I'm hiding. Oh, what do we got here? We got Chakto 308. Hey, Frank, loving uh, listening to the podcast. Uh, learned a lot via your YouTube and forum. Been seriously considering a gasser in 14 and a half. Uh, uh, Grendel, but left-hand gain twist for that extra bit of velocity. Could you consider more detailed podcasts about the gain twist? Um, and go into a bit uh, full episode. We did. I don't. If you go back a year ago, dude, there are podcasts me talking about left-hand gain twist. There's probably three of them. I can do another one again because, like I said, I'm running six of them right now at least, um, including my Valkyrie, 6.5 Creed, 6mm CM, all are running gain twists. But I have spoke about it. You're just going to go have to go back and look for some of the main ones, but I can do another full episode on it. Uh, Dr. Shoot. Optics math. I'm not sure. It's been a while, but can you guess as to how long before glassmakers start using the Mexican guy's new solution? I read that. I know exactly what you're talking about, dude. Uh, that gets rid of the arborations in um, a free lens. Some uh, Mexican 
scientist figured out how to make glass that's arboration free. No distortion. I don't know how fast it will be until scope companies catch up to that. If I had to guess three to five years, but maybe somebody's going to be a little smarter than the average and jump on it sooner. That'll be one of those things. The quicker you get in, the better you'll be as far as makers go. And then here we go. We got um, we got Steve. Steve from PA, man, blade maker. He was in the class. Uh, tarantulas can jump. Uh, we don't want a Billy Bats incident like the rattlesnake. Yeah, it would end up being a Billy Bats incident with the rattlesnake. I never chased down a tarantula, but you're absolutely right. It would be like thinking the guy's dead, throwing him in the trunk. Billy Bats is from Goodfellas. And, and, and the next thing you know, you start hearing kicking in the trunk and you got to shoot and stab the guy 15 more times. That would be the tar- like the rattlesnake when, when you know, we couldn't, we, we couldn't get him out of the connex. And then finally, you know, Mike gets the suppressed 22 and has to dump a mag into him. Uh, episode 204, what do we got? Uh, Dan Atkins. Episode 204, my only issue I've had with Savage is the OE mags a couple years ago. They used to run AICS and then my buddy. Um, Dan Dark Eagle. Dark Eagle makes really great aftermarket Savage magazines. Dark Eagle out of upstate New York. Um, it, it, it's Dan and, and why I don't know I'm spacing on Dan's last name uh, and I'm sorry Dan I'm spacing on your last name uh, all of a sudden but um, yes Dan in, uh, outside of Rochester uh, actually Watkins Glen makes mags for Savage and does a great job uh, tripod question from Strikeout any benefit to running a table with a bag on a tripod versus clicking in a ball head with a dovetail um, guys do both. It depends on the range and the target and, and how well you're comfortable shooting off a bag. Do I think there's a benefit one over the other? Well, the benefit would be speed, right? Locking something in versus just laying something on top because the tabletop would be in it already. And you could probably even, you know, lock the bag in if you had to. But I've seen it done both ways. It depends on your level of experience. And, and going on that, but, um, you know, it could work just as well. Uh, Ted here again, posted a new drop charts that can be filled out and downloaded via PDF. Check them out on the Sniper's Hide Advanced Marksmanship section. Ted has been uploading all of this weaponized math, the win cosine stuff that's pre-done for you, PDF drop charts that can be pre-filled out on your computer, then printed so that way you have typed data instead of written in data. Instead of printing a blank chart, fill it out just tabbing in a PDF, then print. Ted's a, Ted's a, Ted's a friggin' resource and a rock star. Okay, wow, here's Inhuman's got a friggin' book here. What's more inhuman than human saying? Uh, Frank, would you mind taking a little bit or talking a little bit about accurizing the 15 Air 15 pattern rifle? I've got a Seekins upper and lower. I've chambered in 224 Valkyrie with an 8 inch barrel. Is the gas system is turned all the way off and shoots like 3 eighths of an inch? If I have to turn the gas up to the operating pressure, it opens up to 2 inches. Uh, like you said, the initial federal stuff, the 90 grain shot terribly. Then I went to the factory loaded Hornaday and got out, you know, three eighths inch groups. So Hornaday factory got three eighths. Um, you know, I'm, I, 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 he's got a lot more written here. So let me see what he's got. Um, should I look in for a tighter 
reciprocating weight or heavier, slower. Bolt guns, I have no problem there. Uh, the 15s are hard to accurize. The answer is probably just buy the JP, but that's not in the cards at the moment. You know, I will say this. I'm not an AR-15 guy that I build them and do all this. I get off the shelf, and I've been with Glenn Seekins and talked to him about accurizing them. And because I shoot JPs and I do stuff with JPs, I let them basically spec this stuff out for me. The buffer system definitely matters, okay? Like Glenn does the flat wire springs. He's doubling them up, and he's doubling them up in a very specific way. David Tubb, advocate, flat wire springs, very specific buffer system, okay? So, yes, with the... um. With accurizing, it's it's basically great barrels, right? It's how you lock them up to the receiver. And part of like a, what I've seen with JP is the heat sink because it adds this other layer of rigidity to the lockup. POF did the same thing. With, they had a heat sink for a very long time under that. That was part of that barrel nut system. And it's that lockup right there at the upper receiver in the barrel, Okay. But on running the gun, the buffer is a big part of it, okay? So you'll see guys do a lot of experimentation with the buffer systems. I would look at what JP and what Glenn Seekins is doing with these buffer systems because I really do think it matters. I've been super fortunate where guys know it's me. They know I'm an accuracy guy and I'm not, you know, I'm not a door kicker with these ARs. So when I get a AR-15 style platform from people, they'll usually do something that ups the accuracy game. And I want to say it's almost always an addition within the buffer system where the front end is not changed. It's the back end that they're changing. Uh, short answer because I'm getting long in the tooth here because I'm talking a lot. We got Rick again, Alaska ATV. Sounds like everyone had a great match. Uh, the CD Team Safari, have all the fun, none of the drama. Uh, thanks for sharing your wardrobe details, but you forgot to mention if you're a Haynes, Fruit of the Loom, Calvin Klein, or Commando. I was wearing Under Armour uh, boxer briefs, kind of spandexy. So, uh, Rick, if you want to know what underwear I was wearing, I was wearing Under Armour. Now, I also wear that highlight. Highly, it's kind of like a yoga active wear, and they have kind of a synthetic. But I'm not like, I, I'm thinking of going maybe Mack Weldon, the apple of underwear. You know, Mack Weldon's out there talking about silver lines so you're not stinky and stuff, and it's supposed to be the apple of underwear, and I'm an apple guy, so why wouldn't I go to the apple of underwear? But, um, yeah, there you go. I was not commando. In the Marine Corps, we used to go commando all the time because it chafed us when we walked a lot. But I've moved on beyond commando there, Rick. Glad you're thinking about my junk. Thank you. Uh, great podcast. Can you go into how to practice with your hunting rifle so not to overheat your barrel? How do you train the guys in Alaska? Absolutely, dude. No more than three rounds in a string ever. We lock them down to three rounds. I want to make sure you could touch that barrel when you're firing it. Don't shoot your hunting rifle like a target rifle. Three rounds chill out, give it five minutes, three rounds, chill out, give it five minutes. You got to go slow. You'll shoot two thirds less than a target guy, but I guarantee, man, your accuracy will improve and you'll start to see pinpoint precision out of these things. Okay. 
three rounds, dude, you're done. I don't care if you're one-tenth off the plate and I know the next round's going to hit it. No. That's what we do. So there you go. Um, then Mark's answering something. Uh, Mark's answering somebody. I won't be that. I will laugh at this. So Mark answered another guy. So this one guy, the CCCC, some guy put all C's in there. And he said, congratulations on 200 episodes. That one dude from Alaska, really crappy customer service, doesn't know how to treat people at the least. So here is Mark's response. <laughs> Uh, whatever, 15 years of customer service and getting busier all the time. The occasional immature REI fan is no problem for this dude. Carry on. So Mark, don't care. End of story. Uh, 6-5 shooter, sounds like a great match. Gary, Gary K, always good to find out about different style precision matches. Uh, Jack Mason, Malcolm, Savage, they need a new action. Something different for their 2K rig than they have for their $300 gun. And this is kind of becoming the trend we're seeing. So Savage has stepped up your game. People want to see more out of it than a sort of rebranded rifle that you can get for $300, $500 app. Um, is there a way to make dope cards printable? You could fit the two. Yes, we're going to be doing that for the app. Don't worry. Uh, Joey, Joey 6mm. Hey, Frank, what's up? I'm loving that you're loving the Valkyrie. I love the Valkyrie. It's kind of, I feel like, um, like, um, you know, uh, what was it? Uh, Anchorman. I watched it the other night in, in, uh, the Steve Carell character, Brick, Brick, where he goes, you know, making loud noises. And he just kind of says silly stuff. I love the Valkyrie. Could be like, I slept with Veronica Corningstone. That kind of thing. But uh, yeah, yeah, yep. So me and me and Valkyrie are like freaking um, Ron Bundy, or, or not Bundy, uh, Ron Burgundy and Veronica Corningstone. So there you go. Al Bundy and Ron Burgundy, right? There you are. Uh, let's see. MP Today was just listening to 201. Mike holding his head home um, alone. Fa- oh, no, it's Mark holding his head home alone fashion. Uh, that was funny. It was seriously funny. Uh, let us know if you see the tool doing negative posts. And, you know, no, nah, I don't think the guy responded. Who cares? Um, Joey, six millimeters. Any thoughts on the nucleus action? I have a nucleus. I have not shot it yet. Uh, I have a Patriot Valley Hancock with a nucleus in 6BR. My only thing, and I like Ted, man. I dig American Rifle Company. I like what he does. He just changes his mind far too often. So... The only thing is it's like, yeah, the nucleus is cool, man. But if he changes his mind and decides to adjust something, it sort of resets the whole thing. Do you have a Gen 1, a Gen 2, a Gen Ted changed his mind? Um, but, I, you know, I haven't seen anything overly negative, but I haven't shot mine yet, to be perfectly honest with you. Just been too damn busy, too many things going on. But, um, you know, in the $800 action zone, I'm a Bighorn fan, but I don't... Like I said, I'd have to go look on the hide. There are giant, giant threads about the nucleus, but most of them are about delivery dates. And that's because of, you know, Ted goes from like Mousing Field to Nucleus to Archimedes to this, and he's constantly kind of changing his mind, and he just does not have the ability to put out volume with one when he's focused on another. And that's my only negative. But, I mean, I like everything Ted does. I like Ted. Uh, it's just, you know, we got to keep them focused. 
Uh, shooter, sniper side cup. Frank, great stuff here lately with the Valk out to out at the Safari. We're having great results with it on predators, hogs, and other vermin down here in Texas. Again, the Valkyrie's working, man. Don't go to the historical. Go to what's happening today. Um, you know, Texas and hope it is here to stay. I think it is. Would love to hear some of the uh, dirty feedback on the Mark V HD from Leopold. I've had good results with them. I think the 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 um the the Mark V Leopold is a bright spot in their lineup. And and honestly, I have not seen a lot of negative on the Mark V. And those that I have shot, and I have shot several of them, I've enjoyed. Um, you know, so that seems to be if you're if you're a Leopold fan and you want to go for a Mark V, I say go for it. I I haven't seen a downside that I would say you know wave you off of it. Um. Hypertext Bruno has gas gun handling during the stage evolved since 2012 when I ran my AR-10 heavy SOB. I remember being one of the only competitors that was not shooting bolt action. Yeah, um, Bruno, because what it is is in the team match, the uh, A gunner has to, or, you know, the, the, the carbine guy has to be running a carbine. As well, Competition Dynamics is doing a full-blown carbine event. So you would be running an AR-10 or AR-15 Valk type of deal. So yes, it has changed. They've actually risen and brought it to a next level. So you can run it in your... Every guy who was I was competing with, more or less, in a way, or every every teammate of the Bolt Gunner was running a carbine. All right. Rick B., uh, what are your thoughts on acquiring Jay Allen's on MDT? Going to talk to MDT tomorrow? MDT's become a monster, man. They're freaking gigantic, and, and it's good for the industry. You know, I thought Jay Allen's were sexy, but expensive. But, you know, maybe MDT's going to be able to to work with that. You know, uh, I, I thought it was a great looking stock, and, you know, from all, uh, everything, it shot really well and had good options and, and, and had a lot, you know, with it. But to me, it was w- way expensive. So that's my only negative, but uh, with MDT, we will be talking with Kyle tomorrow. Uh, Mr. Frank, I have an 18-pound 6.5 Creed bore with a Harris bipod. <laughs> um, would it be worth the money to upgrade it to an Atlas since the gun is decent heavy? Yes, Harris is your lowest common denominator. Okay, so here's the deal, man. We're at Treadproof. I got Bill on the line. Now, he's got a Caldwell Harris knockoff, but it's Caldwell. You know what I mean? If you're he he his rifle was recoiling back into the right, back into the right, not straight. It was it was terrible for him. It, he was having a hard time. It was canting. It's like build your bipod, build your bipod, build your bipod. Well, here was the deal. He was really, really upset and concerned with this effect because he's in class and he's not seeing the results he's expecting. I'm lined up behind him. And I can see in neon lights, okay, it's out of square. The left leg was straighter down and at a different angle than the right leg. And what would happen is when it recoiled, the left leg came off the ground and pushed the entire rifle to the right, bringing the barrel to the left and screwing up his shots. Harris suck. It's the lowest combat denominator. It has not changed since day one. In fact, today I was responding to a 
post about this very question and there is a long two to three page response to this. Go to Sniper's Hide, look it up, uh, Centurator or whatever his name is, uh, posted it. It is a low common denominator thing, man. Why are we getting $3,000 rifles, $5,000 rifles, $7,000 rifles with a $2,000 scope, $3,000 scope, and then you're putting an $89 bipod on it? Please, 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 please. It's not machined, it's stamped metal. Atlas Thunderbeast is a machined bipod. It's square, it's put together, it opens up the triangle of stability the way it's supposed to be. We don't want the barrel teetering at the point of the triangle, we want to hang it inside it. End of story. Uh, Frank, what would you think of the 224 Valkyrie and an open class PRS gun? Would accuracy and barrel life seem, I, you know, I, I, while I absolutely believe a Valkyrie will do really well in a PRS event, I, I, I think it's velocity. You'd have to try to balance that velocity to bump it up just a little bit to be really competitive. But I, I honestly think if you, if you, if you're pretty religious as a shooter for a season and you're going to monthly matches and you're going to a couple big national ones, I do think the Valkyrie can work. Maybe it's the 85, uh, 85 grain bullet with a little bit of extra, with, you know, some good powder behind it. In, 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 you know, I, I do think, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it this way. Remember this, a Valkyrie is basically a factory 223 uh, Ackley improved. Now, I shot at core years ago with um, Joe Walls, uh, Mark from OTM, and those guys. And Mark was shooting a 223 Ackley, right? And he, I, he was at least top 15. So here's a guy down at core shooting a 223 Ackley and, and came in top 15. So if he can do it, you can do it with a Valkyrie. Now, how much work and practice you have to put in, it will depend on you. But I think that if I handed somebody who was a top 10 PRS guy a Valkyrie, they would remain a top 10 PRS guy. That's how confident of that I am. You know, I just can't say what your current experience level is. Uh, would a JP lower weight carrier make a system prone to early unlocking? I think he's talking about that lighter one. Well, that's balancing the system, dude. I don't think it would be prone to early unlocking. I think a lot of them are prone to early unlocking. You know what I mean? The, the bolt carrier is moving before the lugs unlock. You know what I'm saying? So there's always movement in an AR system immediately because that carrier's got to move back with the bolt in the bolt carrier, right? Um, no, but AR, you know what I mean? Here's the deal. JP's doing it. They're using it. They're not blowing guns up. So what are they? What are you worried about, dude? It's JP. So that was Lawman. And then what do we got? This this dude. I told you to change your name. This kill switch holder dash. Uh, why would LE need to treat a shooting competition any different than anyone else? The snowflake LE stuff is getting a little old, dude. LE's always that way. 
Um, it's ego. We're alpha males and, and all that. And they don't generally do well. LE training is incestuous. Elling training, LE training today is the same it was in 1996, which is the same that it was in 1978. It's never changed. In fact, if you go look at the Cypercraft stuff right now, go on Facebook and find the guys, and I know who they are, and I am not going to mention their names and make them, you know, get all pissed at me, but they'll get pissed at me anyway. If you go look at what they're teaching yesterday, okay, it's the same thing they taught in 96. They're still trying to show people offhand shooting with a precision rifle. You know, it's silly. They have not stepped up to modern times, hence why LE guys don't do as well, get butt hurt. If an LE guy stepped up to modern times and learned what's going on and learned how to run a gun, I'm not talking tactics, dudes. We're not trying to get into your tactics, okay? We're just talking marksmanship. We're talking modern practical application of running a gun. We'll do better than you. And to kind of comment on that, to back end that a little bit, the gamer bags, in terms of rear bags, the gamer bags that are airful, okay? The light, light rear bags that are actually meant to go on a barricade and be that hard to soft kind of thing, they bounce. If you're trying to, here's, here's what's got to go on. Nowadays, you need three rear bags. You need a smaller one, you need a taller one, and you need an air-filled pillow-ish one, Okay. If you're trying to practice and learn good, good fundamentals and bear down on your precision and your accuracy at distance, you need a heavier rear bag. That's a rear bag that actually fits your size, your shooting. You have to balance the rear bag to the bipod. Balance the rear bag to your body position, okay? Now, if you're going to shoot a match, if you're going to travel and you need a field expedient, get me through these three shots that I'm going to take on a two-minute plate in under 90 seconds, you can get away with a ton. But what we're seeing is guys are bringing gamer bags to class, and we dealt with this with Casey. Casey was running a great 260 gas gun. Dude, I was stacking them in one hole on the line. And I actually had to move because everybody's like, I don't see a hole in the paper. I don't see a hole in the paper. I was in this black line on the sniper's hide tall target, but I was below my aiming point. The black line was hiding my 260 groups from Casey's gas gun. Okay. And then I moved just a tiny bit to, uh, it was the, it was the half inch square I was shooting on the, um, so I was centered up on the half inch square. I was quartering it. First round, second round, third round, in one hole. Then they're like, I don't see it, I don't see it. You're not hitting the paper, something screwed up. This is wrong, this is wrong, but it's bad, what's going on? So then I move my aiming point to the lower right corner of the square. And that's exactly where the next bullet went. Okay, but I used a heavier bag. When Casey put the lighter bag on, you can see the bounce in the stock. Understand in our classes, dude, all right? Wow, I'm going into an hour, man. I'm talking forever here. Um, when, when, when I'm in these classes, I'm watching everything. Okay, your friends aren't watching that stuff that I'm watching. I'm watching things to the next level. You know what I'm saying? I'm hyper-focusing, and I'm telling guys, I'm being nitpicky to you because you're a great shot. You know? I'm being nitpicky. 
I'm watching it. Though air-filled bigger rear bags cause a little bit of bounce when you're trying to maximize that accuracy. Would it work in a PRS match when you're trying to tap a plate quick? Absolutely. Does it work when you're trying to bear down? No, not as much. So balance your rear bags. You're going to have to spend some money and get a couple more. Sorry to say. But yeah, I'm talking a lot here, guys. So let me go. Um, But... Uh, I tried a Troush rear bag uh, with the Get Light Fill. Love it between the light and heavy as weight. Uh, just throwing that out there. Um, as far as weight, but gives a foundational feel to the heavy. Uh, the bag, talk to me thinking about it. So that goes into my bag, what I just said. SD Carpenter, love the show. Uh, let's get Mike and Adam back. I thought Mike and Adam were going to get back on. Um, Kelby's Atlas Tax, uh, Atlas Tack solid custom action. I've on the Atlas, I like them. I like Kelby's and stuff, but I've broken the bolt stop on them. Um, the pin, the pin's a weak link on the bolt stop, but the action's good otherwise. Um, you just got to kind of make sure you put a good pin in that bolt stop because I've seen a bunch of them break with low round count. The one that I broke was like 200 rounds in, and I broke the bolt stop uh, on a Kelby. But I like what Kelby's does, I like what they make, man. I'm a Kelby fan. Uh, what mags are you running on your Valkyrie, man? I'm running regular mags, dude. I'm running 308s, you know, and I'm stuffing them in. I'm getting 14 rounds in a 308 mag. My favorite mag is an old, old alpha mag that I have because the way the feed, the lips are that hold the round in, they, they don't just kind of bend over. They bend over and up and they have kind of a straight vertical component to it. And I think the old alpha mags, tend to work the best to me, but I'm using AICS mags, dude, and they're working fine. But uh, I have a feeling when I talk tomorrow, there's going to be other options for Valk mags. All right, guys, that's it, man. I'm over an hour and all that stuff. I had a great time talking to you all. It's been fun. Leah, dig what you're doing. Tell Dale Jr. I said hi, big fan, man. I know he don't know Frank from Adam, but Frank's a fan of Dale Jr., and, and, and I dig the whole thing, the, um, that. And it's not just an Earnhardt thing. I've seen his dad race and all that and, and, and everything. But I just dig. I love the media uh, uh, system he made. I love his videos. I love the, the, the group you guys have that put together your whole media program that Dale Jr. has. I mean, comes money. You know what I mean? The dude's, the dude's got a few dollars over me. But... I really dig the video segments that come from that dirty mo and all that stuff. I like, I look for inspiration from people who have more resources than me. What's the look they're giving? What's going on with this? What's going on with that? And I will definitely say that uh, Dale Jr. stuff with that dirty mo production or whatever they call it is, is, is one of those places I'm looking. All right, guys, thanks for listening. Thanks for being part of the Everyday Sniper. Thanks for commenting on the Podbean app. Thank you to everyone who's come to the classes in 2019. I'm officially finished with them. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All the students, we had a blast. I mean, hundreds of students that we saw this year. And I got to say, I've learned something from each and every one of you. Uh, Really, really appreciate it. It's been a fantastic season of shooting we're only going to do more next year we're only going to be bringing markdown more and more uh we're going to be replicating that program so thanks a ton guys and 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 we'll be talking to you soon we're out of here